Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. This time, a great guest. John Wass is the CEO of Profit Isle. More about him in just a moment. A couple of quick announcements. And if you've listened to the show, you know what they are. If you've got an amazing customer story, you want to share with us a customer experience story, please do so. Just reach out in any of the social media channels. I'm pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it. I am there. And remember to use, if you have a question, the hashtag Ask Chef, and I'll answer the questions you send in right there, either on this show or on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku, and even now episodes on YouTube. Just go to beamazing.tv. So share that story, ask that question, and we'll uh, make you world famous. All right, let's jump right into our interview today. Very excited uh, that we have a guy that really, uh, he's in the trenches. Uh, he's the CEO of Profit Isle. I mentioned that. He's held marketing positions. I mean, listen to this pedigree. P&G, M&M Mars, Fidelity Investments. He was part of the key management team that grew Staples from just three stores to 1,000 stores nationwide. He's a successful entrepreneur. And today, he's going to talk to us about his new book, Choose Your Customer, How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and Thrive. Uh, uh, it's available now at Amazon and everywhere books are sold. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, John Wass, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Uh, and we're going to have some fun because I love the concept of any company. And by the way, big or small, we know who the digital giants are. And there's a couple of thoughts. We talk to this audience is B2C, B2B, some even people from the government are starting to listen to us, which is very exciting. I must say. Uh, and even though we're going to be talking about these digital giants like Amazon and Facebook and other major companies, uh, I think that the concepts apply to the B2B area as well, if not even more so important, because there's not a lot of choices in the B2B space. Many times I need a vendor. There might be 10 vendors in the entire country versus I need a t-shirt. I can go into a mall and there's 10 stores in that mall that have what it is that I want. So let's jump into it. Share us, uh, with us a little bit of background on the book, why you wrote it, what it's really about and who it's for. So uh, we wrote the book, uh, my partner, uh, Jonathan Burns, who's been teaching at MIT for the last 33 years. Um, so he and I basically um, have been working together using some of the techniques uh, that are uh, talked about in this book. But what uh, we decided to write the book because we've seen a lot of people struggling to figure out how to evolve into the digital age. And a lot of them are using a lot of their old techniques and just sort of trying harder as opposed to really stepping back and revisiting how they think about engaging customers. I know the old paradigm that, you know, the customer's always right. Well, that may be true, but not every customer is for you. And one of the things that we've seen consistently is getting people to figure out which customers are profitable for them and which customers aren't. And until you understand that, you don't really have a good handle on where to focus your resources. 
And in today's day and age, if you're spread everywhere equally, you're probably going to get picked off by a digital giant because you have to be pretty good at some very specific thing. And as you probably know, and you've talked about many times, it really does come down to who are your customers. And I think it's critical now more than ever to choose the customers that your business model, that your team, that your company DNA engages with the best. And by definition, that means that's where you're most profitable. And so understanding that and then shifting resources is what we've been able to uh, do with lots of our clients. And a lot of the stories that we have developed over the last six years based on our experience are in the book. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is, uh, and, and for, by the way, I like it, the customer you know, is not always, wait, the customer is always right. <laughs> I'll, I'll turn it around and say, my belief is the customer is not always right, but they're always the customers. Yours are, uh, the customer is always right, but not every customer is right for you. Great way of putting it. So you need to choose your customers, understand which ones are best for you. In other words, what you're saying is you can't be all things to everybody. I, that's exactly right. You have to decide what you want to be good at. Or even for a lot of companies, the data already tells them what they're good at. If they're looking deeply into the data and the techniques that we use, uh, one of the key things that we do in this digital age is to really re-examine some of the things that are around. So the uh, profit and loss statement was de developed about 200 years ago. It was designed by humans for humans. We can only handle so many numbers and after a certain point, we all just sort of our eyes go in the back of our head and we're done. But in today's uh, digital age where computers help you look at big data, uh, we use techniques that drive all the costs down to the invoice line level of every transaction. So if you go to the mall and buy that t-shirt uh, and then someone else goes to the mall and buys a pair of pants and then you show up later and buy a socks, Every single, in our technique, every single one of those transactions has a full profit and loss statement. And you can then add them all up and say, all right, for the customer chef, how profitable is he for us? And, and what, what are the characteristics there? And then you can say, wow, chef is a really great customer for us. We should spend more time and talk to him some more and see what else we can do for him because we already know that he's a good customer for us. Whereas someone else, let's say I show up I only buy it on sale and I show up once a year. Well, I'm not necessarily a good customer for you. Uh, and so knowing that difference is a really important in terms of where you spend your resources and where you basically focus your marketing. So I love it. So, yeah. Most companies try to figure out what it is that customers love and try to sell more of it. You're taking it to a whole nother level where you're saying, not only do we want to know what customers love, but we want to know which customers love it the most. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the things we see all the time is, um, you know, when people report profitability, because our lens of the world is we look at everything through profitability, which is essentially the health index of any company. It's like, if, you know, if you're making money, you're healthy. If you're not, you're not. But underneath the average, you know, that P&L at the end of the period or the end of the year, I may, may be making 5%. Well, what we saw in, this, in the work that we do is there are clusters of profit, what we call profit peaks, where you're making a tremendous amount. In some instances, three to 400% of your total profit. And then there's other places in the company where you're losing two or 300%. And most companies are just averaging all these things together. And on average, they're making 5%. Well, when we look deeper and say, wow, these customers are 
really profitable for you and, and you're doing exactly what they need. But these customers, they're costing you a lot of money. They may uh, take up over half of all your customer service. They may be returning uh, product at 70% versus your best customers only returning product at 22%. But understanding that, and then again, putting more resources where you're making money is the number one recommendation we have because the fastest way to make more money is to sell more to the people who love you. And yeah. that's one of the recommendations. You know, there's a great book out there which has nothing to do with what we're talking about, except it's called Strength Finders. It's all about the personality and the strengths of an individual who you hire for. And one of the big concepts they have is so many times companies find the fault and the weakness in somebody they're hiring and say, well, we'll strengthen that and they'll be up to speed. No, what you want to do is focus on their strengths and grow the strengths and surround them with people that can help them with their weaknesses so they don't have to worry about it. And I think you're saying the exact same thing with the whole idea of what we sell in an organization. I think you hit the nail on the head. One of the things we find is, you know, if, if we work with our clients and we show up, we do all this data analytics and the CEO turns around to the salespeople, let's say, and say, hey, we just hired these smart guys out of MIT. They're here to tell you how to do things better. The first thing you get is people sort of sit back in their chair, cross their arms over their chest and go, what do you want to tell me? Um, but if you walk in and you say, wow, congratulations, this is where you guys are doing incredibly well. And it turns out that almost all companies have pulled resources from their success areas. Management is so focused on solving problems that they are constantly under-resourcing their successful areas. So one of the fastest things you can do to improve your business is put resources where you're currently successful, but you need to know where that is. And yeah. once you understand that, you can make shifts in resources and dramatically and rapidly improve profitability and revenue. So this is what you do for your clients. Uh, what's the typical type of client you have? How, how big are they? Because when I think, how do you compete against the digital giants and thrive? Who's this book for? Um, what size company is most, uh, this is most applicable to? Well, it's actually applicable pretty much to everyone. Um, we uh, read, if, as a manager, if you read this book, um, if you're doing you know, a few million dollars to a few billion dollars, the techniques here are uh, eminently, you can use these. It's, it's not a huge, like big lift to figure some of these things out. Um, and the way that we uh, approach our business is we use our own techniques, which is who are our best customers. <laughs> so for us, pretty simple, work, you know, sometimes right? it's pretty simple. <laughs> right. So we tend to work with larger customers. So we tend to work with um, hundred million billion dollar customers, but we've, we've tested this. I've tested this on my sister's store where she just does a few million dollars a year. She sells kids clothing. It works just fine for her. Uh, we've worked with uh, people who do a few hundred thousand dollars. You just need enough. You basically, you need to be able to um, uh, create a basic capability to assign some costs to your, to your base, your basic transaction set. And you can do that really simply, or you can do it in really sophisticated computer modeling, which is what we do, but all the techniques move you in the same direction. As soon as you have a better sense of who's your most profitable customer, you just spend some more time deciding, am I really spending all my time there or most of my time there? Or is, am I so distracted with these you know, other customers where I'm not making any money that I'm actually neglecting my best customers? 
once you have that kind of conversation with the management team, you can generally make some pretty good decisions pretty quickly. Yeah. So whether you're a small store or whether you're a large, huge organization, this uh, concept works well. Uh, you can go through uh, what I would call technological, computerized, probably AI focused, uh, you know, the way to come up with your numbers, or you can do it manually. The book is titled Choose Your Customer, How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and Thrive, uh, by author John Wass and his partner, Jonathan Burns. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this, how you can compete against Amazon and other large companies. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Shep Hyken, your customer service and experience expert, and I'm excited to tell you about my new book, I'll Be Back, How to Get Customers to Come Back Again and Again. Now, this book is packed with idea after idea on how to, just as the title implies, get your customers to come back. In the book, you'll learn that repeat customers aren't always loyal customers. Now, both are great, but there's a big difference. You'll also learn about 10 reasons a customer may stop doing business with you and three reasons you would stop doing business with them. And one of my favorite lessons is a six-step process for creating an I'll Be Back strategy. Of course, there's much, much more. The book ships out in September, but purchase it today and you'll get instant access to the ebook at no extra charge. You'll start getting more of your customers to say, I'll be back almost immediately. Just go to www.I'llBeBackBook.com. Again, that's www.I'llBeBackBook.com. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with John Wass, who's the CEO of Profitile and the co-author of Choose Your Customer, How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and Thrive. So let's jump right in to the whole concept of the digital giant like an Amazon. I, I want to do a little history lesson here first. I want to go back 30 years ago, 40 years, maybe 50 years ago, Walmart, not a digital giant, just a behemoth, is that the right word, behemoth, in the yeah. retail industry, decides to move into these small towns and they're putting companies, little companies, little retailers out of business. They actually come up with a program titled How to Compete Against Walmart. And they actually teach the retailers not how to compete against more, but how to survive and ideally thrive in the situation. Sounds to me that that's the angle you're hitting here. But now we're in the digital age with companies like Amazon and other major retailers and other online companies. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that um, we, one of our clients we worked with, um, we basically did this type of analytics we just talked about, who are your most profitable customers, who are your most pro what are your most profitable products and operations and things like that. And one of the things we found was that uh, th this was a distributor. And when they were able to ship product, not overnight, when they were able to ship it two, three, four days out, uh, they made a lot more money. And they said to us, but, but Amazon wants, you know, is, everything's getting there overnight, overnight. We've got to keep moving overnight. And I said, you know, I think if you actually ask your customers what's important, uh, you could actually get more, you could get even less, excuse me, uh, more, uh, I'm sorry. You could probably send even fewer uh, orders overnight because a lot of customers don't necessarily want it overnight. And what they ended up doing was they would close a, a session with 
what's the absolute best day for you to receive this property? So it's, and, and that actually drove even more of their orders to go out two or three or even four days out because what was most important to their customers was date certain, not I'm going to get it overnight, but I know that it's going to show up on Wednesday, you know, at this time. And that had a huge impact. And it also really made it clear to this company that the, the big noise that Amazon makes about not only can I get it overnight, I can get it there in three hours. It's like, yeah, but not everybody needs that. You have to focus on what's really important to your customers and not worry about all these things that may or may not be relevant in, in how you compete. Yeah, and I've been preaching now for a while that Amazon has created an expectation that for many companies, it's unreasonable, but do you have to do it to compete? And sometimes the answer is yes. But uh, John, you make it real clear. Simply ask the customer what they want. Now, I would add to that, you probably ask them in a certain way, which gets you the answer that you really need, which is really what they want. Because if you gave them the option, like, here's a couple of options. Do you want to hear tomorrow or do you want to hear in a few days? Well, most people are going to pick tomorrow. But you said, hey, what's the perfect day for this to get to you? Or whatever the, the phraseology you used. Well, Chef, you hit the nail on the head. The first time they tried it, they actually said, do you not want, I mean, literally they said, do you not want this overnight? <laughs> and what do you think the answer, I can guess what the answer is, but go ahead, confirm it for me. Yeah, it was, it was, they basically said, it's getting worse. You know, we're sending more overnight. And I said, you know, exactly what you just said. I said, show me exactly what shows up on the screen. Show me exactly what's in the script when you talk to people. And we worked together and came up with that, the question, which is what is the best day for you to get this product and wham, change the outcome dramatically. But that's the kind of thing that the, the, you know, a lot of companies have this, what I call DNA. It's this mental model of what it is or what's supposed to be. And with a little bit of flexibility, when you work with that, you can get them to think slightly differently. And that's, what's a critical piece here. And especially once they understand who their most profitable customers are and where they engage most effectively with their customers. And is, is this case study in your book? Uh, it's one of them, yes. It's one. Okay, great. So we know we need to read and hear the examples. I love learning from case studies. All right, switching gears. We're kind of in the whole world of thinking like the customer, giving them what they want, but let's get specific. Uh, you have some thoughts and some keys, as you call them, to running a truly customer-centric business. Can you share what some of those are? Well, I think that um, what we end up doing with our clients is we say customer centric, it's we first figure out, um, as I said at the beginning of the show, uh, which customers you want to be customer centric with. Okay, so that doesn't mean, and I think that's a really important distinction. You need to decide which customers you want to be customer centric with and then engage. Um, we worked with a client uh, that basically said, well, we have big customers and small customers. Well, we looked deeper and we found they had big profitable customers and big unprofitable customers. This was a furniture retailer. And it turned out that their big profitable customers in the furniture retail actually were very store loyal. And they liked a lot of the private labels and they liked the, the engagement at, at the store. And a lot of their big unprofitable customers were brand loyal. And they basically were shopping brand and they were basically going in and trying to get the lowest price on a brand. Mm. And the distinction was really important because they had focused a lot of their marketing on getting people to spend a lot of money 
And we showed them through the data, through their own information, that what you want is to actually get the people who want to spend money in your private label and all the cool things that you bring that are somewhat unique to you and that isn't a national brand. And that allowed them to do a few things. One is they communicated that and they started to really advertise more carefully and more clearly about why their stuff that they were bringing into the marketplace was wonderful. And, and that business started to grow. They got a 20% increase. And that's what started to really drive their business in the right direction. And they spent less time trying to match pricing with some company, you know, six states away uh, on a national brand. So I think that's the kind of thing that's really critically important. So when you are taking care of the customer, first, make sure you understand which subset of your customers you really want to take care of and, and make that decision first. Well, love this. So I'm going to uh, emphasize that you have to give them a customer experience that they like. And that's the service. That's the experience, the true experience. What's it like to go into the store? What's it like to go on a website? Is it intuitive, easy to understand? And then when you start to understand who these customers are that are enjoying their experience, break it down to a almost, uh, you know, separate uh, the, the profitable from the not so profitable. Maybe they're all profitable, but some uh, customers are more profitable than others. And it's okay. You don't need to be everything to everybody, as I mentioned earlier. All right, we're winding down here. Uh, I just want a couple of, uh, two quick questions and, the, and we'll, we'll end. The second question will be my one thing question I always end with, but how is the outlook? These companies like Amazon are growing. Uh, they're so big. They're getting bigger. And Amazon's moving into uh, pharmaceuticals. They're opening up uh, online drugstores. But now they're getting into uh, salons where they're actually, you can't go online to get your hair cut, but you can go on premise to a brick and mortar Amazon store. Uh, it's a salon. Uh, you can go to their grocery stores and they're opening up retail stores. Does Everybody, anybody have a chance against Amazon and other big giant companies like this? Yes, absolutely. They do. And I, it was, I, as you mentioned earlier, I was part of the early team at Staples. And, and Staples early on was what people called a big box retailer. And we were um, being very aggressive in the marketplace and changing the whole dynamic for uh, office supplies and, and the way that was done. Well, we're now 30 years later. And the markets are shifting. Look, even look at Amazon. Amazon has shifted from this, you know, massive dominant. There's there's a whole ecosystem around it. And I would say the same thing is really happening, and it's quite true with Amazon. It, it always appears as though they're doing this stuff, um, and there's no room for other players. I think there really are. You just need to decide how you're going to um, compete with them by choosing your customers carefully, knowing that they're going to take a subset of your customers. But if you keep the ones that are actually really profitable and, and are, are, are well in tune with your business model, you're, you will thrive. I think you may give something up, but uh, in terms of maybe top line revenue, but your bottom line re uh, profit will probably increase. Yeah, love it. So you may not make quite the sales by eliminating the customers that you shouldn't be focused on, but your bottom line profit grows as a result. I don't think any leader owner of a business would argue with that point at all. All right. The one thing question, is there one last nugget of information you want to share? Like maybe something out of the book that you absolutely want this audience to know that will compel them to go right out and buy the book, choose your customer. 
Well, I think the really compelling uh, concept here is um, this concept, literally it's in the title, is choose your customer. We are so used to uh, management and, and people are just trying to get bigger, increase that top line. Anything that sort of drives the top line is good. And I think uh, the big key takeaway here is spend some time thinking about the quality of the revenue. Understand what is actually uh, coming in on the top line that's going to the bottom line and have the, 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 the conviction to walk away from some of the revenue that's actually costing you money and profits. That's not always that easy to do, but if you read the book, you'll begin to understand more about how to make those decisions and to take that step away from all revenue is good revenue and really begin to understand how to find the right revenue that's actually going to increase your bottom line and the profitability of your company. Awesome. Just as the customer is not always right, not all revenue is good revenue. <laughs> awesome, John. John, this is why we call this Amazing Business Radio. The book, again, it's Choose Your Customer, How to Compete Against the Digital Giants and Thrive. Thanks so much for being on our show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, everybody, that wraps it up. Another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Next week, we'll have another interview. I hope you come back and join us. Until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.